This is an important thing because unforgiveness is so serious. And I don't know if you picked it up, but there are some things this girl said that I think are wise, and she probably doesn't even know they're pretty much biblical. Uh, I noticed in one place she said, as she's trying to get everybody to smile and, and be friends, she says to do this, you have to be a new person. Did you catch that? I want everybody to be a new person. And isn't that biblical? That if we are going to practice these one another's that God has filled our closet with, we've got to be new persons. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. They're a new person. It takes knowing Jesus and the help we get from him to live the one another's, especially forgiving one another. And then she said, for this to happen, everybody has to come down. Did you get that? They've got to come down. And I, and I come down from the heights, she said. And, and I see that as humility. And it really takes humility to live out the one another teachings, especially forgiveness. We've got to come down from the heights. Come down. And in humility, forgive. And then she talked about the monsters. And that if if we don't do something, if we don't get better, we'll end up becoming monsters and eat each other up. And that's actually biblical. In, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul said something like that. Galatians 5, verse um, 15. He said, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You'll eat each other up. You'll become monsters that just eat each other up. And doesn't that happen? Doesn't that happen especially in the context of unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, vengeance? Um, as it goes on, it's like we start eating each other up. We become monsters. Now, you wouldn't admit that, but it happens. Just ask the people around you. You're eating up everybody else. It affects others, like this little girl. And she just wants everybody to smile. She just wants everybody to get along. What a wonderful desire that, uh, that she has. Well, we've been talking about these one another's. Uh, all these one another teachings in Scripture about relationships that God has given us, and we're likening them to clothing. And uh, the idea that as we come to Christ, as we enter our relationship with Him, He gives us all these one another's that are in the Bible, ways of relating to each other, and He fills our closet with them. And His desire is that we eventually have an empty closet because we are going out every day of our lives wearing all of those pieces of clothing, all the one another teachings, and we're practicing them. But what we tend to do is we take the ones that we like, the ones we think are easiest, and by far forgiveness is one of the toughest ones. And I think forgiveness is one of these that stays in the closet a lot because we just don't want to take that and wear it and be forgiving type people. And uh, so we're taking one of these uh, one another's, one or two every week, and just talking about what it would look like to wear them and be people who practice them. Uh, we talked about serving each other, even when it's hard. Uh, 
and the humility it takes to serve people. Uh, Last week we talked about bearing with one another, and that's a little different than forgiving because the idea of bearing with one another, having forbearance, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, sin is involved, that somebody sinned against you. It's more those things we don't like about people, those things that are uncomfortable about them, uh, their opinions, uh, their preferences, the way they do things, the way they dress, the way they talk, whatever it is. But, but the Bible says we need to bear with those people. We need to practice forbearance, not divide in our mind and heart over these things that aren't even important. But when it comes to forgiveness, now we're into the area of sin. And when people sin against us, and when they wrong us. So now we come to that area, forgiveness. To forgive means to release, to send away, to set free, to cancel a debt. It's actually a financial term in Scripture, to cancel a debt. Um, Basically, it's to let go. And uh, that's hard. That's hard. And whenever you hear a message like this, there's bound to be these things that come into your mind like, but what about? What if? Um, let's just get rid of them, okay? No what abouts today. No buts. No what ifs. Let's just go with what God says, okay? Um, Three things that God doesn't say that we're not going to talk about today. Three teachings that are out there on forgiveness that you will not find in the Bible. So we're just going to eliminate them today. The first one is the idea of forgiving God. That's not in the Bible. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we need to forgive God. Why would we need to forgive God? He doesn't wrong anybody. He has no sin. He doesn't sin against anybody. And yet there are people out there talking like we need to forgive God. That's not in the Bible. So we're not talking about that. The second teaching is forgive yourself. And that sounds so good and sounds so helpful And there are many voices that encourage you to forgive yourself, but friends, it's not in the Bible. You won't find it there. Forgive yourselves. Forgiveness involves two people, not one. Forgiveness is about someone sinning against me, wronging me, or me wronging somebody and sinning against them. And forgiveness comes into that context. The Bible doesn't talk about forgiving yourself. Instead of forgiving yourself, what you need to do is accept God's forgiveness of you. Forget about forgiving yourself. Make sure you accept God's forgiveness of you. And the third thing we're not going to talk about because it's not in the Bible is this forgiving and forgetting that you hear all the time. And it causes a lot of unnecessary guilt Because we've been told that true forgiveness is when you can forgive and forget. And then you forgive and soon you remember what happened. Memory comes back of what was done and how it felt. 
And you feel guilty because you decide, well, they said if it's really forgiveness, you're going to forget, right? Forget and forget. And so we begin to feel guilty that we can't forgive because we can't forget. To forget does not mean to erase from your memory, which is what we think it means. To forget means to choose to not focus on something, to disregard, to not make an issue of. And that's what's involved in forgiveness. The memory's going to come back. We've got computers up here in our minds. And we're going to see things and hear things and experience things that will bring the situation right back to our mind. It's going to pop out again into our mind. Forgiveness is at that time, I choose to disregard that. I choose to push it back. I choose not to respond to it. I choose not to make an issue of it again. That's forgetting. It's not erasing it from your memory. So, with that settled, I want us to go through three steps here. We're going to look at Paul's teaching, the Apostles' teaching on forgiveness. Pretty much review for most of us. And then we're going to look at Jesus' story about forgiveness, because he told a story, a powerful one about forgiveness. And then we're going to conclude by looking at an Old Testament character, Joseph, and his example of forgiveness. Okay? And we're going to do something a little different. Before each of these three, we're going to pray. Because I want to make sure you're listening. And I want to make sure you're not distracted. And I want to keep bringing you back to what God is trying to say to us. Because this is a subject that we would prefer to shut out and think about something else. So I'm going to keep bringing us back through prayer. So we're going to look at Paul's teaching on forgiveness first. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for the kind of servant he was. Father, we pray that as we look at these things that he taught in his writings, about forgiveness, that we would remember these are your words, these are your thoughts, these are your teachings on forgiveness that you led him to put in writing. May we remember that as we respond to them, especially those of us who come to this place carrying the weight of bitterness, resentment, and vengeance because of something that was done to us. Father, speak to us through your servant Paul. Amen. Three places where Paul talks about forgiveness. The book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I think we've come back to this every week so far in the series. Colossians 3, in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. So that's where this closet idea comes from. Paul used that picture. He says, clothe yourself, and then he gives a list of things you're to clothe yourself with. And they're really all one another's when you think about it. But eventually in the list, he comes to verse 13. 
And he brings up bearing with each other. We talked about that last week. And then he says, and forgive. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So forgiveness, forgiving one another, is one of these items of clothing in the closet that we are to wear and practice forgiving one another. Um, Just notice what he says about it. He says, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever. Whatever the grievance is. Whatever you have against them. Whatever they did. Whatever they said. Whatever they failed to say. Failed to do. He says, forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. And then he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is so important. We are going to see it flowing through all of these teachings. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I appreciate that our worship team had us singing songs that kept bringing us back to what God has done for us through Jesus and his forgiveness. Because that is such an important part of these teachings on forgiveness. Paul says, forgive as God has forgiven you. That's the reason you forgive. If you're a Christian, you've been forgiven. So forgive. Ephesians chapter 4, a couple books before Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4. Here Paul continues this clothing idea because this is the passage where he says because you're a new person in Christ, you should be putting off the old things that were part of your old life and putting on the new things that are part of your new life. So he uses this idea of putting off, putting on, like you take off certain clothes and you put on other clothing. So he continues to follow this clothing idea. And he comes to the end of the chapter and verse 31 He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, if you look at that list of things that are to be taken off, put away, gotten rid of, I don't know if you noticed, but all of those things in that list go along with unforgiveness. When we are unwilling to forgive somebody, these things become part of the territory. They become part of our heart. They become a part of us. You see the list? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. They really all go together with unforgiveness. And he says, get rid of them. Let them go. Send them away. In their place, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. There it is. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. There it is again. Just as in Christ God forgave you, you need to forgive others. Send away, get rid of all those things that go along with unforgiveness. Because they're going to make you a monster. And you're going to eat people up. 
to remind you of what this great theologian told us. These things are going to eat you up, and they're going to harm other people in your life. The writer to the Hebrews said that bitterness is like this root that it begins to grow inside of you, and it begins to come out, and it defiles many people. You can't keep bitterness to yourself. And Paul says, get rid of those things that go along with unforgiveness and forgive. Because Jesus forgave you. Through Jesus, you've been forgiven. Forgive one another. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Last part of that chapter. I don't think the word forgiveness is mentioned, but it certainly is here. Starting in verse 17. Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. See, that's that's our thing. We don't want to forgive people because then we can't plot our evil against them. We can't figure out how we're going to get even and pay them back, right? And we're afraid forgiveness will eliminate that possibility. And you're right, it will. But Paul's teaching is don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. That's pretty clear. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance comes with unforgiveness, wanting to pay back. This idea that they have a debt that they've got to pay because of what they did to you. And you're the one that gets to pay it. You're the one that's going to punish them. Vengeance. And Paul's teaching is, no, no, no. Do not take vengeance. Revenge isn't your role. Leave it to God. God will take care of it. It's between that person and God. You are not the judge and executioner in this person's life. Send vengeance away. Let it go. And let God do his thing. Trust him. He is just. Uh, Down at the bottom of your sheet on the right side, Erwin Lutzer said, when you forgive, you do not minimize the hurt, the pain, or the evil. That's not what you're doing. What you're doing is you release it into the Lord's capable and loving hands. And, And if I was saying that, I would add something else to what Lutzer said. You are not only releasing the person and what they've done and and, uh, the hurt and the pain and all that stuff into a capable, loving hands of God, but as Paul says, in the just hands of God. He says, I will repay. I will take care of it. Vengeance is mine. And God is more just than we are. And so part of forgiveness is just let that vengeance go. Don't play God. Don't play God. He'll take care of it. 
So that's some of the teaching of Paul. We are to forgive, clear, to forgive whatever grievance we have against anyone. To do it because God, through Christ, has forgiven us. We're to be putting away, letting go of all those things that come along with unforgiveness, like bitterness, resentment, vengeance, slander, all of that stuff. And to forgive. Don't take vengeance. Don't plot evil against evil. Don't figure out ways to pay them back and punish them. That's God's role. It'll just make it worse for you. When Jesus was here, he talked about forgiveness. And there was a time when he told a story about forgiveness. And it was in response to a question that one of his disciples asked about the subject. So we're going to look at that. But we're going to pray first. Just in case you're straying off. Just in case you're thinking about something else. I want to bring you back. And invite God to say something to our hearts through Jesus. And through a story he told. So let's pray. Father, now we come to something Jesus, in his own words, said about forgiveness. Father, this is worth listening to. This is worth hearing. This is worth taking seriously because this is Jesus out of his own mouth. Father, I pray that we will listen. And if we need to hear this today, if this is what it's going to take... For you to move us to forgiveness, then, Father, so be it. Work through the words of Jesus by your Spirit in hearts. In his name, amen. Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. Peter is the disciple who asked the question about forgiveness. He asked the question in verse 21, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? That sounds pretty generous, right? How many times? Seven? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. What do you think Jesus means there? Peter, keep forgiving. I don't think it's 490. I I think the point is, Peter, keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. And then he goes into a story on the subject. And he talks about this king. So I'm not going to read it in detail. It'll take too long. But he talks about this king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants And there was one servant that owed him 10,000 talents, just a huge amount. But he was unable to pay. And the king was going to force him to, to do some things he didn't want to do in order to pay him back. But the servant falls on his knees before the king in verse 26 and says, Be patient. He begged him. And verse 27 says, The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt. What's that? Forgiveness. To forgive means cancel the debt. And so he canceled the debt and he let him go. That's forgiveness. What a great master. 
But verse 28 says, when that servant who had just been forgiven and experienced such grace and mercy, it says, he went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him much less, grabbed him, began to choke him, demanded that he pay him back. And his servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient. Verse 30, but he refused. He didn't respond like his master did. He refused to forgive that debt and had the man thrown in prison. Now, when the other servants saw this, because somebody's always watching, right? Somebody's always watching. When the other servants saw this, they went to the master and told him what had happened. And verse 32, the master calls that first servant in. He says, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours. I forgave you because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, I forgave you. You should have forgiven him. Makes sense. But because you didn't, verse 34, he turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. And then Jesus ends the story and he says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. He will turn you over. What does that mean? You'll go to jail? No, it means he'll, he'll just let you go into the torment that unforgiveness produces. And unforgiveness produces torment, doesn't it? It's the same terminology here as you see in Romans 1, where it keeps repeating, and God gave them over to, and God gave them over to, and God gave them over to. That's the idea here. If you don't forgive your brother or sister from the heart, I will turn you over. I will let you go into the torment that that unforgiveness will bring to your life and to people around you. That's the idea. And the point was, hey, I forgave you. Therefore, you should forgive. Same point, isn't it, as Paul's teaching comes out of this story. I forgave you. You need to forgive. And really, it makes sense. It makes sense for a follower of Christ, doesn't it? It's pretty logical. Because God has so graciously and mercifully forgiven us of all our sin. Think about that. I hope you haven't forgotten the significance of that, Christian brother, Christian sister. The forgiveness of God toward you. And when he asks us then to forgive others because he forgave us, that's logical. That makes sense. And yet we leave forgiveness in the closet. We don't want to do it. And I tell you what, I have heard Christians make the statement, I will never forgive him. I will never forgive her for the rest of my life. I've heard those words come out of the mouth of God's people. And not only is that disobedient, but what they are saying is, 
for the rest of my life, I choose bitterness, resentment, vengeance, and all the torment that comes to my life from those things and that comes to the lives of the people around me. That's the choice those people are making when they say, I will never forgive. They're choosing bitterness, resentment, vengeance, and all the damage that does over forgiveness and the freedom that comes with forgiveness. We're going to finish by looking at an Old Testament character, Joseph. We've seen Paul's teaching. We've seen Jesus' story that pretty much reinforced Paul's teaching. Now we're going to see a man who actually practiced it. And he sets an example for us of forgiveness. His name is Joseph. But just in case you're straying, we're going to pray. All right? So heads up. Let's pray before we see Joseph's example. Our Father, we come now to actually seeing how one of your servants actually practiced these things. Father, you helped this man do the right thing. Lord, I pray that maybe his example this morning would be what it takes to motivate someone here to do the right thing. Oh, that would be so wonderful, God. So could, could your spirit just work through this example in the next few minutes? Amen. Genesis, book of Genesis, chapter 50. Most of Genesis, at least 37 through 50, is the story of this man, Joseph. And uh, again, most of us are pretty familiar with the story of Joseph, a young man who uh, ended up being hated and uh, mistreated by his brothers. Eventually, his brothers sell him into slavery. Um, he was trafficked by his brothers. Um, sold again to be a slave of an Egyptian uh, soldier, Potiphar. Um, things start going pretty good, but then Potiphar's wife becomes attracted to young Joseph and seduces him over and over again. And, and eventually, uh, because he keeps resisting, she makes up this story, accuses him falsely. Potiphar believes his wife puts Joseph in prison. Uh, Joseph meets a couple guys in prison, uh, and uh, God tells them they're going to, one of them's going to get out, and so he makes uh, a deal with the one who's going to get out, the cupbearer, that when he gets out, put in a good word for me. Uh, maybe the Pharaoh will let me out, and uh, the guy gets let out, just like Joseph said, but he forgets about Joseph. Forgets about the promise for two, two more years. Well, finally, things come together, and uh, the guy remembers. He mentions Joseph. Joseph gets out of prison. Joseph uh, interprets a dream for Pharaoh that ends up being great for Pharaoh and the whole nation of Egypt. And uh, Joseph is put in charge. He's second in Egypt to just Pharaoh. 
And then, as you know the story, there's this famine, and everybody around in other nations has to come to Egypt because uh, by the wisdom of Joseph, they are the ones with the food, and so everybody's coming to get food, and uh, Joseph decides who gets food and who doesn't, and he recognizes that it's his brothers who are come. Uh, He's changed so much even physically from a 17-year-old to 30-some. They don't recognize him. And uh, he has this great opportunity (laughs) to get even. And we come to chapter 50. And uh, he has um, made it known to his brothers that it's him. And, uh, And he's treated them rather kindly, which surprises them. And then his father dies, Jacob dies, and the brothers are thinking, well, now that dad's gone, this is when Joseph is going to really get back at us for what we did. And so that's where we find uh, the situation in Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they make up this plan. They go to Joseph and they say, you know, uh, when dad was dying, he said to us that he really wants you to forgive us. Okay. Those were dad's dying wishes. And, and when Joseph hears that, he just cries. It breaks his heart. And then he, he makes these great statements. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. First of all, in most people's minds, Joseph had a right to be bitter. After all he had experienced because of his brothers, he had a right to be bitter toward them. He had the right to be resentful. He had the right to seek vengeance. He had the right. But he didn't. He wasn't bitter. This isn't bitterness, this isn't resentment. This is forgiveness. Now, I don't know if he had to deal with this over those years and come to this place of forgiveness or if forgiveness was such a part of his heart from teenager and on. But at this point, he is not a bitter, resentful, vengeful person. And he would have had a right to be, but he's not. He forgives. He also had the opportunity and the power to get even, right? He was now in a place where he had the power and the opportunity to pay back his brothers for what they had done. He could do anything to them he wanted in his position. But he didn't. What does it say? Joseph told them, I'm not God. I'm not in God's place. I will provide for you. I'll take care of you. 
And it says he spoke kindly to them. Did you know that's how you know if you have really forgiven somebody? It's how you treat them and how you speak to them and about them. That's how you know you're forgiven. It's not about forgetting and erasing from your mind what was done. No. The true proof of forgiveness is that you've sent that bitterness and that resentment and that vengeance away to the point where now you can treat them kindly when you have the opportunity and when you speak about them or to them, you speak kindly. That sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? Remember the song? Help me to do the impossible. And he will. Forgiveness. And Joseph did it. He forgave. Even though he had the opportunity and the right to be bitter, resentful, and take revenge. He forgave his brothers. What a great example for us. And here, I want to add this to the example of Joseph. When Joseph forgave his brothers, it wasn't because of his response to the teachings of Paul in Colossians, Ephesians, and Romans. Right? There was no Paul at that time. There was no book of Colossians or Ephesians or Romans. And get this. Jesus hadn't told his story yet. The Messiah hadn't come yet to talk about forgiveness. Joseph wasn't following the teaching of Jesus that he had read. So how did he do the impossible? How did he forgive his brothers? How did he choose to do that? It has to be because he walked close to God. And by walking close to God, he somehow knew the heart of God. And he knew that no matter what happened, because of his relationship with God, that God was at work because he talks about the providence. He said, you, everything you did, you meant for evil. That was your motive. But God meant it for good. He had a plan. And it was to, years later, save his people. Because I was in Egypt and in power. He somehow knew about the providence of God. That God was good. And even as terrible as it was, God had a plan. Wow. And then we have the scriptures. And we have the teachings. And we have Jesus' story. And we choose not to forgive. Bless you, Joseph, for being an example to us. Do you come this morning carrying this weight of bitterness, this weight of resentment and vengeance? Uh, is it something you carry with you everywhere you go? Because somebody wronged you, somebody sinned against you, and you have refused to forgive? 
You probably already know that that bitterness is doing a number on your life and that already there are people in your life who have been affected by your resentment and vengeance and bitterness. And what happened had nothing to do with them. But your bitterness and unforgiveness is affecting them. And it's tormenting you. Don't deny it. It's tormenting you. You are not free. You are in bondage to your unforgiveness. Would you like to leave here a new person? Would you like to leave here a person who's not bitter, resentful, and vengeful? Would you like to leave here as a person who is free from the bondage of unforgiveness? Would you like to leave here free from that weight? Would you like to leave here as a new person, a new husband, a new wife, a new young person, a new friend? You can. It's called forgiveness. And what God instructs us to do, he will give us the power to do. As impossible as it sounds. We have the teaching of Paul. We can understand it. We have the story of Jesus who taught the same thing. We can understand it. And we have the example of Joseph who actually practiced it before he even heard those teachings. We can see what he did. Now what will we do? What will we do? It's very possible you were supposed to be here and hear this. You're not here by accident. This may be your day to choose forgiveness and be set free and healed from the bitterness, resentment, and vengeance that you have had to carry around. Let's pray. Father, I pray for especially brothers and sisters here who know you, who have a relationship with you through Jesus. They are the ones who have the ability to do the impossible because your Holy Spirit lives in them, empowering them if they would only choose to do the right thing. And today the right thing, Father, is forgiveness. And Father, I just pray that somehow uh, by hearing these teachings again, um, hearing what Jesus said, his story, uh, seeing Joseph's Example, I just pray that something has broken through and that you would help some of your people here to just make the right choice of forgiveness and to be able to walk out from under that heavy weight and be free. Father, do that amazing work in their life as they make the choice to forgive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.